0: There is and was a big hype about RPA that RPA can solve basically everything and automate everything.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's the problem with those hypes is that it becomes uh, sometimes a very expensive hobby.
0: You always need to have the business perspective of what are the requirements, how is the, the process set up in that organization, and does the technology fit the needs.
1: Process improvement comes out of our budgets, uh, but when it uh, when it as soon as it starts touching any technology. Then
2: it is within the CIO's budget. Welcome to the GBS Masterminds podcast. season is CIOs are from Mars and GBS leaders are from Venus. We have two unique guests. I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Michael and Annette, go ahead.
0: Hello, and thanks a lot for having the opportunity to join the podcast. My name is Annette Harman. I'm the CIO of Beierstorff.
1: My name is Michael van der Kroeg. I'm heading up Global Business Services
2: for Mway. All right. Thanks for joining. So the first question is added to you. There is a perception out there that the CIO's office is the office of the know. Do you think this perception is true?
0: From my perspective, that perception is obviously not true. So for me, IT is the function of enabling. The technology we provide and we run is enabling each and every process in the organization. And therefore we have a high interest to support the business with whatever opportunities they see in the usage of technology. On the other hand, there's a big but, because we are not only responsible for one single isolated technology, but the technologies are more and more integrated. So the beauty of saying a yes with a but behind that is making sure that afterwards the technology works as well in an integrated manner in an efficient way so that the costs do not explode and with a certain stability so that it can be used on a daily basis.
2: A counter question for you, Michael. There is a other perception out there that the GBS is the office of the fairy tale, where you go and look at a lot of latest and greatest technology and then you want it immediately. And then you expect the CIO office to sign off. What are your thoughts on this? Well, you know, Sashi, our slogan in GBS
1: is success as a service, right? So it's a variation on the theme of SAS, software as a service. And the difference of the word success means that we look at business outcomes. And from that perspective, we don't really mind which technology does that. At the end of the day, you're trying to get to an end goal. But I can see that we may be sometimes exploring against the will of our technology partners, and that can create that fairy tale experience. But I think we're, when we're looking for requirements that we're trying to define, um, we're looking also at the capabilities that are out there. and we're pretty open to uh, compare and contrast the outside capabilities with our internal capabilities. Now so yeah, I can see why people think we're maybe the office of the fairy tale because we try to bring something new to the business. But that's not the end goal. The end goal is
2: process improvement. Follow-up question for you, Michael. Being in GBS, do you think you should have more control in tech decisioning? How do you think the org design should be with respect to the CIO office? We have a a very good partnership with technology
1: where basically um, technology will have the final say on which technology they want to use. We have the final say on which process we want to implement and in so far we are having a control in tech decisioning because if the solution doesn't meet the requirements then we have to go back to the drawing table so i but it's it's very important that we have that clear um, partnership because when we implemented uh, oracle for instance although we have one single instance across the whole globe we have a lot of other systems that interface with that and we are very entrepreneurial decentralized uh, organization so we have a lot of different integrations into it so we although we have a single instance we have a lot of um, customizations in our interfaces and that creates a lot of topics so we actually together with technology have a common goal and that is Mm -hmm. to simplify that and to get to a better situation going forward where we actually try to to find common solutions that you can propose to the markets. And mm-hmm. um, and we need to find a, a win where our business can progress.
2: Got it. And it. what's your point of view on uh, the decision-making power of business when it comes to technology selection?
0: I would completely agree to what Michael said. I think it needs to be a joint decision because when you bring in technology, I mean, it's not just for the sake of technology, but you want to really improve some processes. So you always need to have the business perspective of what are the requirements, how is the the process set up in that organization, and does the technology fit the needs to really then afterwards get the business benefit out of that implementation. On the other hand, It's as well important to understand does the technology fit into the architecture and is then the handover from one process step to the other process step feasible in an effective manner where I often see, and that is probably where sometimes tension comes in. We have an example here in Bayerstoff where we were looking into one process and there was from one step, they said, no, we should do the process in a different manner. And then from IT there was then in the end the concern or from IT perspective because we looked into the architecture and we were looking where is then afterwards the next step so where is this data again used and we realized that mm-hmm. if we do it the other way around how the business proposed that then a different function in the organization would not have the necessary data for their mm-hmm. process. So, and that means in the end, we had to revert that. And there is a bit, I think, where this kind of healthy tension comes in because often it is only when you go into the IT architecture department that you have an overview about the whole process chain. And that's why in Biostore, for example, we implemented now an architecture board where we really move one level up in the process, not looking on the actual requirements, but looking into the solution as well. How is it connected in the overall value chain within the company
2: one follow-up question on that to you michael let's say you want to improve a process and then you want to have a niche solution could be custom or a third-party niche vendor but then in your case your cio's office is saying we should keep it using oracle functionality how do you resolve that conflict where the business is saying i need deeper functionality and then the cio's office is saying let's keep it within standard erp yeah. So, so first of all, I, I do agree
1: completely on the enterprise architecture, and I'll come back to that later as well. I think it's really key, especially when we go to product related groups, how they work. But, um, it's, it's, it's also critical that. Um, those decisions about what the business needs, we always look first at what solutions do we have in-house, right? I mean, if the technology that we have in-house has that capability, then why would we take that from a third-party vendor? It doesn't only create technological depth on the technology organization, but for our teams, it means more documentation, more process knowledge we need to maintain, more people we have to train. So the cost of ownership just goes up. So we, we, we listen very closely to our technology partners. Uh, we challenge them because we yeah. I don't know as a standard answer, of course, <laughs> so, Okay, but um, but we're very open to having that discussion, both with the external and the internal parties. Got
2: it. And it, best of breed versus ERP debate and trade-off?
0: For me, I would prefer to look first in what capabilities we have, because when you really Think about most of the software as a service packages come with a lot of functionality. And in the end, when we implement them, we only often use a fraction of it. Obviously, the best of breed quite often sounds quite attractive because they obviously promise much more versus the the platform that we already have, if you go for best of breed, you create more complexity in your technology, which as well means in the end, it gets more inefficient. And that puts much more pressure than on the business case, because you need to make sure that you deliver as well higher value if you want to increase your cost on the other side.
2: Absolutely. I'm going to switch gears a bit. What has Mm -hmm. been your experience with RPA? Have you implemented it? How has it worked out?
0: We have used RPA. There was a big hype about RPA that RPA can solve basically everything and automate everything. Um, For me, the first learning is if you have a bad process, even RPA will not make it better. And um, within one of my previous roles, we started to establish as well um, a governance for RPA because within the hype, everybody tried to create our own um, robots and everybody was basically doing it and not even thinking about the effort to maintain these robots. And that's why we created a specific team within the IT organization that created a governance setup where we really were looking at what is actually the opportunity, how big is the opportunity, so often is the process executed, because whatever you create on technology, I mean, the efficiencies you drive with RPA need to be in line with the the extra cost you create. And what is the right solution to drive more automation? Is that RPA? Can we basically do that with an upgrade or an add-on on our existing platform? Or even maybe with an extension of the platform?
2: Got it. Michael, any experience sharing from RPA implementations? Yeah, I mean, it's
1: it's the problem with those hypes is that it becomes uh, sometimes a very expensive hobby. And um, we spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on trying to implement RPA. And... The use cases we've retained in the end, they start to have a, a positive ROI because they're high in volume, standardized, and uh, and we don't automate waste. But it took us a long time to get there and the payback wasn't immediate because uh, the way how we implemented was pretty rigid. Um, and maybe also, I think we... That's where the technology organization could have learned a little bit more about being more open to what do you allow RPA to do in the systems. The few RPAs that we have, we still use them. So that's a good sign because most of the time the business case just didn't fly. Not enough volume, not enough standardized process. And, and if you if you have integrations that, that fail, the RPA will not help you there. And we start to get the same hype now with gener, generative AI. <laughs> One says, oh, yeah, yeah immediately bring benefits, etc. We need to understand what it can do, right? And then create a business case and learn progressively how we can implement it.
2: Got it. So maybe that brings me to the whole concept of budgets and value. How do you manage budgets for a transformation, Michael, at your company? When you want to improve a process, how do you go about it at Amway? So process improvement comes out of our budgets. Uh,
1: but as soon as it starts touching any technology, then it is within the CIO's budget. We've centralized all technology spent into the CIO, CIO's budget because otherwise there's no overview about what's all out there. So we, um, we, we do create um, business cases together where we say this is what we want to do. This is the research we do. This is the, the invest into the process design. And then, of course, when it comes to the technology component, which is often a higher amount than we are spending, <laughs> um, we need to present the business case and agree that with technology that that makes sense. And because, but since we're continuously working on our roadmap and mm-hmm. we also have, I have an IT business partner as part of my leadership team, we're, mm-hmm. we're, it's not a surprise. I mean, we're continuously adjusting and saying, this is, this is what we have on, here on our desk now. What do we prioritize? Mm-hmm. How do we move forward Then we adjust continuously according to the available budgets. And that's a very big difference to what we did before when we just had budgets that were available and no one actually knew what we were getting for it. So you, the difference now is that we know what we want to change. And that's why I think our transformation is now far more process led. Got it.
2: And then, how does it work at your company?
0: When I started, we had a process where in the IT project budget, so everything that would bring process enhancements, was somehow managed within a small group of people. The process was not governed in the way that we want to maximize the output with the investment we have, but it was mainly who sells best gets the money. Mm -hmm. And um, what we did is we completely changed the process that we said, first of all, we want to bundle all of the budget into one budget for for any kind of technology. And we Mm -hmm. want to ensure that it's invested according to the business priorities. We really bring the IT budget and the allocation to the different initiatives into the board because that will allow us to really make sure that whatever we invest is invested according to the strategy and the priorities of the business and i think the other part what we as well did at the same time is that we created different buckets because obviously when you when you have a company like Biostoff that runs since more than 100 years you have a lot of systems in different life cycle stages so you need to have a continuous invest in more or less all of the areas and we then started to categorize the different initiatives, whether it's a kind of a renewal whether it's a real transformation or whether it is something we have to do just to stay in business like a legal requirement and within these buckets so we categorize each and every initiative and then we have a certain percentage of our budget that we allocate so that we ensure on one end that we always can do our business
2: got it so seems like the concept of business case or prioritizing what to fund it plays a big role I'm curious how many of your IT projects actually you start also measuring during implementation or post-go-live, if the value is being delivered?
0: So that was as one of the big changes. We started to implement that. We said every initiative needs to have a business case and we want to measure the business case. But due to the fact that you do initiatives in very different processes, you have different KPIs. So we took now pilots in, in various areas to define what are the right KPIs and how, do we, how can we measure them. And we are currently piloting the format, how to measure them and then how to report back. And we are we are on our way, but we are still in a kind of a, a process where we identify what is the best way to make it on one hand accepted by the organization, but as well from an effort um, efficient enough that it does not create an extra burden.
2: Great. Right. Michael, what about you for IT projects at your company? Do you measure during implementation and after go-live? Yeah, and, and I, I think there are three buckets of value that
1: come out of this. And one is compliance. That's easy to measure, right? But for the the efficiency component, which is a second bucket or the, or the value component, the third bucket, the most difficult one, um, it works a bit different. I also think there's a trap in efficiency measures because if it's very small FTE savings, then, I mean, how much time are you going to spend on tracking that? So what what we're doing is that we are actually uh, identifying them but we're also putting them together more as umbrella projects so as an example say if you have a group of 100 people and you say we want to get 20 percent efficiency in two years then what are actually the projects that you need to do and now i can track it because i can say okay these are the projects we're going to implement theoretically they deliver maybe 15 ftes or, or 12 ftes out of the hundred Then we have continuous improvement that will cover the gap. But to make it work, every time we implement something, we need to do a post-implementation check and say, okay, have we actually saved? Now for value, it's really difficult. If it's working capital, yes, you can measure it. But if it's additional sales for the organization, that's really difficult to get the business to commit to additional sales opportunities.
2: All right. So we're ready to close, actually. So Enid, what is your one ask from the business execs out there?
0: So my one ask is let's work together because in the end, we have the same goals. We want to make the business processes more efficient. When you really bring in process knowledge and um, process standardization together with technology, you can do incredible things and you can create business value that one function alone would not never be able to achieve.
2: Got it. Michael, your one ask from all the CIOs
1: out there. So my, my biggest ask is, is uh, investment in the enterprise architecture team to make sense out of these product organizations. And so that we can invest into the right teams um, at the right moment in time, looking at the end-to-end process and not just looking at the process by solution, but at the process for the, for the, the end customer.
2: All right. That was a great debate between business and IT. <laughs> Thank you, Annette and Michael for being our guests.